Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, we're going to talk about growth hacking, and we're going to share some super actionable tips that you can apply to help grow your own business. Now, what we're not going to do is share some secret, never heard of before growth hacks that are going to magically double your business overnight. Instead, we're going to look at three commonly used growth hacks. And these might be things that you've already tried before, but they didn't work. Uh, so we're going to go and cover some of the common mistakes that businesses make with these type of growth hacks and how a few simple tweaks and changes in your approach could help you get significantly better results. Okay, today's guest is the founder of Keeping.com, a Gmail extension that adds help desk functionality into any Gmail or Google Apps account. It allows you and your team to manage your customer support right from your mailbox instead of using an external help desk app. Now, this person first came on my radar when I came across a free online resource that he'd created called the Growth Hacking Experiment. Basically, he'd taken all the growth hacks that they tried with their startup and documented both the process and the results they achieved with each growth hack, both the good and the bad. So what I'd like to try and do today is to help share some of those insights with you so once you finish listening to this episode, you can go start implementing your own growth hacks. So today I'd like to welcome Vincent Kassar. Vincent, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Omar. That's very kind of you. So uh, you're talking to me, for, whereabouts in Switzerland are you right now? Um, I'm in Geneva, Geneva, Switzerland. So we're having a bit of a, of a, of a heat wave at the moment and it's, it's boiling hot. Um, tropical Geneva, we call it nowadays. Okay, I I love Geneva. It's a, it's a, a wonderful city. I've be, I've only been there once, but um, had a wonderful time there. So um, I, I like to start by asking my guests what drives or motivates them, what gets them out of bed. Um, some people like to share uh, a success quote that that resonates with them. Others just like to tell me, you know, in their own words. So so what is it that gets you out of bed? Okay, so I like creating. I'm a creator. Um, when, I was, when I was a child, when people used to ask me what I wanted to be when I was growing up, I used to say that I wanted to be an inventor. And I'm now 33 years old, and I've invented many things. So creativity and invention keeps me awake early in the morning and late at night. Sweet. Okay, so uh, keeping. Um Tell me a little bit about um, where the idea came from and why, why was it this particular product and market that, that you decided to... Sure. To- okay. I understand this. And actually, this is, this, this is quite interesting because it's a product that I've created from a pain point that I personally had. Um, so I was running a business that sold digital books and courses. Um, and as the business grew... We were getting more and more emails from from customers, which is which is normal. Um, and I looked at ways to manage the process more efficiently. So I looked at the various external help desks that, that are on the market, such as Zendesk, Desk, etc. But did found them to be a bit complex and um, quite hard to set up. Actually, I just didn't have the time to set them correct, set them up correctly. 
Um, and w- one thing that I didn't like was to being forced to migrate everything or my or, or that support channel to another platform. Um, and you have to realize that when you use another platform, there's always a bit of a lock-in. And in the case of, uh, of a help desk, if you stop using an external help desk, you you all of the previous conversations you've you've had with your customers are sort of lost. Um, so I didn't like I didn't I didn't like moving away from email to basically have that risk factor. So so I had an idea. You know, instead of being forced to move to an external help desk. Um, what about bringing those functionalities needed for customer support directly into my mailbox? My customers were already emailing me, so why should I be forced to, to move externally? So this is how it came to existence. And you know, with this, with this idea, we, we started cold emailing other startups um, just, to, just to validate if our business was an actual pain point. I've learned in the past that sometimes you think something is problematic to you, but you are pretty much the only one in the world or there's not enough of a market to, to make it a substantial business. Um, so started uh, cold emailing and cold calling as many businesses as I, as I could. Um, and I realized two things. Firstly, is that obviously everyone is using email um, and that email is just not designed for collaboration and not for customer support. So we decided to, to build the first iteration. Um, the, what we did, as I mentioned, is call calling and call emailing as many businesses as, as we could in advance. And we, we leveraged the feedback that we received early on um, to see if um, our first iteration had, a, had the right product market fit. So it, I've got to say, um, I, I kind of get the rationale about not, wanting to move or be dependent on an external help desk platform and and the customer conversations, because at some point, as you said, if you want to move, um, maybe there's a high switching cost. Maybe it's hard to get the data and the history of those conversations out somewhere else. I've never tried it, so I don't know exactly how, how easy or, or hard, um, that is, but, um, but at the same time, it, it kind of, sounds a bit of a nightmare to now think, okay, I'm already dealing with all of these emails in my inbox anyway, but now I'm going to get all the customer support mails in there as well. So uh, can you explain a little bit about just how that works within Gmail and why your customers like that experience? Sure. Okay. So there's there's one thing that that um, I need to to explain is that customer support emails, support inquiries will always be um, outside of your of your inbox. So your inbox will remain the same. And what what keeping does is add a new a new a new section to your to your inbox where all of your all of your customer support emails are, are located. So you, you won't get over you know overflowed by. Um, Tons and tons of emails from customers um, in your in your in in your personal inbox. It will still be slightly away from uh, filtered out of your of your of your regular inbox. Um, so it's 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 um, the, the the main advantage is that you, it allows for a group a group of a group a team a group of people to to be able to answer support emails together. 
typically, um, you know, one of your customers may email you at two o'clock in the morning, and the person who's supposed to 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 answer that support query is not there, but someone else in the company um, may be online and could answer that that that, um, that support uh, email. Got it. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, okay. So, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, with uh, well, one of the resources that you published on Keeping.com is uh, the Growth Hacking Experiment. Um, and it's titled, you know, How Our Startup um, is Growth Hacking Its Way to Success and, and How You Can Copy Us. Um, why do you want people... To copy you. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, you, you have to stand out. Uh, you have to stand out on the internet. You know, there's a lot of content, and you have to you have to be a bit unique. So this is this was perhaps a cheeky angle that we uh, that we decided to take. Um, but 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 why did we start this experiment? Um, well, let me let me tell you the reason, and I'm sure that will also bring some transparency as well. So. If, if, if you look on forums, and I'm talking about any forums, not just web-related forums, um, many of the most popular posts are diaries of what people do. Um, for example, I remember seeing something about following, following someone as he trained his puppy. Um, so people like following the ups and downs of someone's learning journey. You could call it voyeurism if you want, um, but these, these posts are, are popular. Secondly, I was looking for, for a topic for our content marketing effort that was actually getting more and more popular. Um, growth hacking is a term that didn't exist just a few years ago. And, you know, just a quick look at Google Trends, uh, Google Trends for, for people who may not know what that is. It allows you to see uh, for a certain keyword how it evolves over time. Um, and the term growth hacking um, is just increasing every day. So from, from nothing a couple of years ago, it's, it, there's more and more people looking for, for growth hacking. And as we target startups and, and businesses that may not yet have a support system in place, um, these startups and companies are also interested in learning how to grow. So we had it. We, 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 had, we had the perfect topic. We decided to share what we did to grow a business with the objective to, to attract potential customers. Um, and it has so, worked so quite this, well for us. So the smart thing here is that um, the the people who are most likely going to be interested in reading about the growth hacking experiment probably are also a good fit to be a potential customer in many cases as well for the help desk product. That's correct. That's right. Correct. So this this was this was the thinking, and it was. It's also um, a, a topic that, that, that we, can, we can grow over time, you know. Right. Um, we, can, we can easily add new experiments and, and create a bit of, bit of a community around, around it. Yeah. No, I think, you know, when we talk about it like this, it makes, um, you know, absolute sense. But I think it's also very easy to fall into the trap. And I've seen this happen sometimes where... Um, people are trying to do some type of content marketing or trying to create some sort of transparency about their business, but your target customers may not be the ones who are interested in that. And so you, you, the danger is you end up attracting a different, um, sort of audience for 
for that content um, and still have to sort of double down and figure out where you're going to get your customers from because they're not coming through those content marketing efforts. So, um, but I like the way that, that, you know, you, you've done this here. Um, it's, it's transparent. And I think in many ways, documenting this, these experiments uh, and these hacks has probably been beneficial for you as well, just to um, sort of distill your thoughts and, and track what you did and what the results were. So um it's the kind of thing that I think it's worth doing anyway when you when you're kind of doing these experiments. Um, but I, I like the way that you've you've um, sort of done it publicly and and given sort of that level of transparency. One thing I wanted to ask you was uh, what's what's sort of your thoughts and and have you had any reactions on the term sort of growth hacking? It seems to be a very sort of polarizing term where some people are just so into it, others others sort of just hate the term. Uh, have you experienced that as you've kind of, you know, got more and more sort of um, visibility with with this um, this resource? Uh, well, absolutely. And to tell you the truth, my my personal perception of the term is that growth hacking is just marketing. That's what it is. It, it, you know, this the flavor of the month is growth hacking. Fine, but at the end of the day, it's marketing without doing media buy. That's that's what it is. So a lot of it can fall into it. You know, content marketing could be seen as growth hacking, but it's just marketing. Um, scraping the scraping for leads and then contacting those leads could also become could be called growth hacking. Some people call it something else. So so the term the term is the term is is definitely polarizing. But at the end of the day, growth hacking is just marketing. That's that's my take on it. I, I was actually I was actually asked to do a presentation. For but growth hacking um, a while ago, and my first slide was growth hacking is bullshit <laughs> because because it's marketing at the end of the day it's marketing without media buying media buying is easy you know you pay Google ten dollars a click and you'll get some traffic Every, anyone can do that well some people can do it better than others but if you have the budget you can do it. growth hacking is how do you maximize um, traffic and lead generation with with less less of a less of a budget. Yeah, but I, I would say that um, e- even on the uh, ad buying side, um, you know, I, I I've seen a lot of direct response marketers um, who do who who for years have been doing um, what maybe we're seeing growth hackers do now, which is basically focusing very much on. Um, understanding uh, sort of customer lifetime value, the acquisition cost of a customer, um, running very data-driven experiments in terms of what the ad copy looks like, how it converts, what landing pages are doing. Um, th- they just typically drive the traffic through sources which are paid. Um, but I think in, in many ways, it's just, I, I agree with you. I think that you can kind of take a different shift on it, but once you sort of boil down what the essentials are, whether you're doing uh, growth hacking or direct response marketing, it, it kind of boils down to there are just some fundamentals of marketing that that don't change, right? And so it's, um, but yeah, it's the, it's the term that I think probably resonates most with people. Um, I was just curious how, how, um, how your experience had been with uh, the reaction you get from people. But okay, so... Um, Let's, let's, um, let's spend some time. And what I was hoping we could do was to deep dive a little bit into maybe three 
growth hacks that that sort of were either unusual and delivered interesting results or just ones that have been most successful for you and and sort of talk about again what you did what results you got from that and what the listeners can sort of learn and take away themselves sure. Sure, with, with pleasure sure um Okay, well, I guess the first hack, but let's let's maybe we should we shouldn't call this a hack, but it's it's almost a tip, which is not on the website yet, but it's I, I will write something about it. Um, it's something that anyone running a business should implement. It's so simple, uh, and it's yet n- not very common, and it's really the power of following up on emails. Um, so. <laughs> You know, we get inundated with emails, and if someone doesn't respond to you the first time, it's it's probably not because he doesn't want to speak to you or doesn't want to hear about your product. You may you may just have gotten him at the wrong time. Um, what I've noticed is that when I follow up four times on, on with someone I want to speak to, I increase my response rate to close to eighty percent. Of course, all industries and businesses are different, but um, it works. So it's, it's um, you know, is this even a growth hacking? A growth hack, I'm not sure, but it, it, does, it does work. Um, and I, and I, it's my advice to, to, to any business, really, just to follow up, follow up, follow up. Um, and this is, this is how I implement it. Um, I use something called Write Inbox, but there are many, uh, many other tools. Uh, essentially, Write Inbox is a Gmail plugin that allows me to be reminded of a message after a specific day. Um, so, for example, I want to speak to you. I send you a message. I mark the message as remind remind me to to send a follow up next day. The next day, I get a reminder. I send you a follow up, and the response rate that I get on on cold emails is sometimes close to eighty percent. If 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 the, if my if, if the the content of my message is is targeted, um, so. This 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 works and it's my number one uh, hack, I guess. So and anyone can anyone can implement, implement it. So it's called write inbox, like R I G H T, or write as in W R. Right, right, no, write R I G H T, write inbox. And there are many alternatives. I think there is boomerang for Gmail, um, followup.cc, which I think you you mentioned in your um, in your toolkit that you can download on your website. Um, on the PDF that you can download on your, on your website. Um, basically, it allows you to to get reminded of, of a message, and you can use it to to make sure that you follow up on on leads that uh, on leads, or even even uh, people you want to speak to who may who may not answer you straight away. Um, it it works. Yeah, I had uh, uh, I Mo, who's the co-founder of Boomerang here on Conversion Aid on. Uh, uh, I think it was episode 30, which you can get to by going to conversionaid.com slash three zero. Um, and I think Boomerang does exactly that, provides that type of functionality within Gmail as well. So, okay. So t- t- tell me a little bit about that because uh, I've seen, I've seen people, um, send out to do sort of email outreach and you're talking about cold emails here, right? Well, I'm talking, I'm talking about cold email because, you know, that's that's what I've been doing recently. I've been doing okay. a lot of cold cold emailing, but it okay. can be used for, for for basically getting in touch with people as well. Okay, so let's let's just for for anybody who's not familiar, let's just sort of define 
the difference between cold, warm, and sort of a hot email, right? So, um, just, just sort of, um, you, I'll sort of describe them and you tell me whether you agree with them sure. or not. So it, a cold email is, uh, uh, you know, you've, you've got an email from a list, you've looked up, um, somebody's email address, you're, you're, you're contacting them. They've never heard of you. Um, and you're trying to get some kind of response or engagement, um, through, through that, that email. Uh, I would say a, a warm email or lead is probably someone, um, that maybe, uh, knows about your product. Um, maybe you've been introduced through somebody. Um, so you're sort of going in there with some kind of sort of pre-framing that, you know, they kind of either know about you or the product or they've been introduced. So they kind of, um, feel a little bit better about having sort of, you know, that email conversation with you. And I guess like, I guess for me, if it was hot, then it's somebody that knows and trusts you. And, and so obviously those conversations are very easy. Um, so with cold emails, you're, you're sending the first email out and typically what do what, what does the content of that mail look like? What, what are you saying? How, how much content are you writing? Is it a couple of lines, a few paragraphs? What do you do? Okay. So what works the best is really to keep the content as short as possible and to just, um, say, hi, can I speak to X? Is, is that the right email to get in touch with X? And that's sufficient to first start a first, to start a first, um, a first line of communication and people respond well to it. If you, if you say, hi, is this email of Mr. X, Mr. Joan, people will say, yes, that's me. And once, once you have this first, first interaction, you can, you can then start a dialogue and explain who you are. And um, typically if, if people don't respond to this first email, then I would follow up a day later, maybe two days later, depending, depending what it is. Um, okay. Who it is I'm targeting. So if you, if they don't respond one to two days later, what, what's, what's the email that you were then following up with? The same email? Also, again? also, also very short, just a reminder. Hi, did you, did you get this? Did you get the email I sent you two days ago? And that's it. Okay, cool. Sweet and, sweet and short. So how, how, how many times were you sending that kind of email um, before you would stop following up? Three to four times, um, depending depending how important the, the, the person I want to speak to is for, okay. for my needs. So three to four times, and then you get to a point where they reply and they say, yes, this is the right email. Correct. Yep. And then, and then you start a dialogue. Okay. And then, so what would, be, what would you typically do there? Give me an example of how you're okay, using I, with I keeping. Can, I, can gi- I can give you an example. So, so right now we're approaching... Um, Businesses that are that are on on uh, that are quite specific that, that are quite niche, and we just try to uh, just once we have this report, then I introduce the product and ask them if they want if they want um, a demo or a free trial, and if they respond negatively, that's fine. If they if they don't respond, I follow up maybe once or twice, and if they say yes, then. Uh, we have uh, what I call a hot lead. <laughs> so, okay, great. And so that that's that's really interesting because you're saying you're closing, you're getting up to an eighty percent response uh, response rate by doing that. Okay, so so eighty percent is is really. Uh, I, I don't think you should use that that, that figure 
as, uh, as you don't expect to get 80%. I have, I have gotten 80% sometimes, but okay. it really, really depends. It's, the, the, the thing is, by following up, you will, you will substantially, but substantially increase your, the response that you, that you would get if you only had sent one email. What, what's, if you had to give me sort of a number on average, maybe a more conservative number that you typically get on a response rate, um, what would that be? So, if, so let's say if okay. I get, if I okay. gave you a list of, I don't know, um, um, a hundred email addresses. Um, I, I, I can give you, I can give you very fixed numbers. Um, we're currently running, um, um, an email campaign like this and I've got, I actually have figures. Um, as of today, after the third email, we are, we are at 36%, um, response rate. 36 percent, and this will most probably increase to close to forty percent. Um, and this is this is on this is this is on cold call prospects. People have never people who don't know about me. People who've never who've never um, never heard of keeping either. Um, and forty percent is not on the first email. It's not on the first interaction of yes, this is my, my the right email. There are people who have responded and show an interest in. Uh, in learning more about keeping or even have taken a trial. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, that's an important distinction because this is not just 40% of people replying and saying, yeah, you got the right email right. And, and no, yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. Um, and uh, what what was the, for, for that maybe same group, I don't know if you have that data, but what would have been if you had stopped at after sending the first email? What do you think the response rate would have been? Yeah, I can only estimate. I, I can't, you know, my, the, the copy that I use is also, has also been uh, improved over time, so I, I can't really say. Um, but I would say maybe 15%, maybe 10%. Yeah, I, I think even 10% would be a pretty good number from a first yeah, but, email. But you, 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 you're right. Look, I, the thing is, I don't, you know, I just don't do it anymore. I, yeah. So I don't have... I, Maybe I'm lost. Yeah. I'm out of touch with reality in terms of, of what it is. But it's the, the the point that I that I wanted to make is it will substantially increase your, your response rate, and it's very easy to implement. Um, use right inbox, use follow-up.cc, use boomerang. Yeah. And I think the, I think the, I think the big take takeaway here is um, I, I had um, Steli Ft uh, the the founder oh, yeah. of Close.io on the yeah. show. And, and, and I, yeah, and I remember he was the one who kind of really got me thinking like that as well when he said, you know, um, if, if you don't get a response, just assume the person is busy and just keep following up. And he was, ta- he was telling me that's, you know, I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm sort of guessing, but it was some crazy number. Like, he, you know, he, he'd followed up 20 or 30 times with somebody once wow. before he got a response. <laughs> And they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, I've just been busy. Um, so, and I think, you know, it's it sort of before before that conversation with him, I would be like, I'd send one email and I would, if I didn't get a response, I'd be like, oh, man, you know, it's sort of, you know, they're not interested, right? But um, he, he kind of really had a really different way of thinking about it. And I think uh, that's exactly, I think, what you're sharing here as well, that um, it's simple and it can be very effective, but you have to you have to follow up and there are tools out there that you can use to help you do that more effectively. That's right. It should just be part of your process of your, of your personal processes. 
Great. Okay. That I love that one. I mean, that was, I, I, you know, it's not, it's not sort of, you know, groundbreaking or something people would say, wow, I've never heard of doing email outreach or follow-up, but just what I like about that is just by making a subtle shift in how you think about tackling that, you can significantly improve your response rates. Okay, good. So uh, let's talk about um, another hack. Okay, well, I can tell you about the the, the best performing traffic source. Um, it's it's Quora, Quora.com. Um, perhaps listeners don't know whether it is. It's, it's uh, essentially a website where people can ask questions and answer questions um, a little bit like Yahoo question and answer five years ago but um, the conversations are actually quite intelligent and the response the what people write is has quality um, and it's our best performing source of traffic it's 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 very little but the conversion rates are incredible uh, you get something like 30 or 35 percent of uh, visitors referred by Quora to who actually sign up as a, as a free trial, um, and that's 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 great. If all if all my sources of traffic were that good, <laughs> it would be it would be dandy. Um, so, wow. what I do what I do if if you if you would like me to explain what I do to to get yeah um, yeah I love to uh, yeah I love to because I think basic the, the basic principle here, um, and I think maybe people listening to this might have tried it as well is. Um, you know, finding um, relevant questions that people are asking, which are you know related to your product, market, uh, or problem area, and then answering those questions and and sort of using that as a way to um, to drive traffic back to your to your site. Um, now, that's kind of maybe is the simple sort of explanation of that, but I think there are a lot of nuances again about. How do you find the right questions to answer? How do you, what's the best way to answer each question and how much time or how long should an ideal uh, response be versus, um, you know, uh, how do you, how do you deliver value on Quora and at the same time drive people back to your site? So, yeah, I mean, tell me, tell me about the process that you guys have used here and some of the, the, the learnings that you've experienced beyond just sort of like scratching the surface sort of explanation that I just gave. Mm, sure. Okay. So I, I guess the first tip that I could, that I could add to, to this is you have to, you have to, you have to put the, the website URL close to the top. Um, I remember reading something about how people browse Quora when they are actually looking for software, they just click on the links. They don't read the, the responses. They just click on the links to, to maybe find, the tool that will actually solve whatever whatever problem they have. So you have to you have to make sure that your the URL that you want to that, that you want to generate traffic to to be placed quite high up in your, um, in, your in, in your response. And the response has to be intelligent. It has to, you know you can't just say this is my tool. Thank you very much. You have to you have to um, well answer answer the question and, and bring bring some value. Uh, Telling the truth, I don't think the value of your answers should be extraordinary. Um, uh, I've looked, I've looked at the at our best performing answers, and they are they are good answers, but they're not you know they're not essay long type of answers. Um, 
and they, they've been upvoted. So people, people like them. So answer the question in a very short manner. Make sure that you add your URL. It sounds obvious, but um, don't expect people to, to look up who you are. So, and, so, so, what is a typical um, the the ones that you said have performed well? The 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 answers. How how long were they? A, a paragraph, few paragraphs. How, how long was a typical answer? Yeah, I would say I would I would say a paragraph, uh, maybe five to six lines. Basically, okay. answer, answer answer the questions. I mean, some some questions would need longer, long, you know, longer response time. Oh, and something and something else that I've discovered is by adding an image a screenshot of your website or an image, you will just drive more traffic. Um, so you can easily, what I do at the bottom of each of the, of the, of the answers that I, that I answer, I add a screenshot of um, keeping.com and that drives more traffic. Um, okay. So it's, it's, it's laser targeted traffic. It converts and it continues working even even if we even if even if we even if we stop um, answering questions. I, mean, you know, I haven't I haven't had the time for the last three months to actually uh, answer new questions, and we still get the same the same traffic, if not a bit more. How, how do you how do you find the the right questions to answer? Because um, I'm looking at the Quora hack on the on, on Keeping dot com. And one example that you've got there, which you've answered, um, the, the question was actually just says, what are the do's and don'ts of referral slash invite programs? So that's not typical sort of, it's not directly related to keeping as a help desk. That's, that's correct. Product. I guess, I guess, I guess in that, in that instance, um, the, the link, which is probably in the content, would redirect to a post that we have on our blog about referral. Um, so this this was done, I think, before we launched, and we had we had a blog we had a blog post going before the growth experiment, and we're just uh, looking at documenting various ma- marketing strategies that. Okay. Okay. So, so, so fortunately, in our industry, and I, of course, I can't talk about other industries, but there is there's a keyword, almost like a hashtag. On core customer support, which is very active. So fortunately, we have a pool pool of uh, of open questions um, every day that we could answer. Um, but it takes time. And uh, takes okay, time. now if somebody was um, wanted to use use Quora as as a potential way to uh, to acquire new users or customers. Um, and they're starting from scratch. How much, um, how much time would you recommend that they put into this? Um, you know, should it be, you know, are we talking about, you know, 15 minutes a day or are we talking about, you know, a couple of hours? Like what should be the time investment and how should sort of people think about approaching this? And so in other words, if you were doing this again, from scratch, how, how would you be doing it? How much time would you mm-hmm. be putting into this? Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, so my initial plan was to spend 10 to 15 minutes a day answering questions on Quora. Um, but unfortunately, my routine changed and I just didn't have the, the time to, to do it. So I would say try to, try to do it every day. Try or at least a couple of times a week. Um, 
and I should really get back to doing it um, on a more regular basis. But um, perhaps spend some time the first time to understand, to follow the right keywords, see who, if your competitors are on it, because very often you can you can add answers to questions your competitors may have answered. So that's that's also a way to discover not only the right questions but also the right keywords and hashtags. Um, so spend some time initially doing this, which is pretty obvious, and then try to have it in your um, in your in your daily routine. So something I wouldn't do is outsource it to um, an assistant of some sort, unless unless your assistant is knows your industry well it's something that i mean if you want to bring value um, and you want to add a comment that is intelligent you should really use your own know of your industry especially if you answer um, questions from that are very very niche to to your to your to your own industry do you always answer a question where there's an opportunity or a natural opportunity to provide a link back to your site? Um, is that how you would maybe um, filter down and make a decision on which question to answer? Or uh, have you seen um, sort of uh, answers, sort of effective answers work for you where Maybe you just answered the question but didn't put any link or image or anything into that answer. Well, the, uh, as I mentioned, the link, the link is vital. I mean, this is, in my, in my case, I want Quora to, to bring traffic. Um, and I, in order for traffic to happen, I need to, I need to, I need to show where I want people to, to go to. So um, a, link is, a link is vital. And right. As, as I said, an image is also, is also nice to have. It brings, it brings more attention. Okay. So I think, um, so if, if I've got this right, initially start by, uh, listing out what are, um, keywords or hashtags that are relevant to, uh, your product, your market. Um, also think about listing out who your competitors are. Um, and then sort of use those, that information as a way to, um, narrow down the searches of which questions that you're going to look for. Um, and then we, we want to allocate or dedicate um, at least, you know, 20 minutes a day, a few times a week where, where you can go in, look through those list of questions, figure out which are the ones that you um, feel that you can give a, a good answer to. And secondly, also where there's an opportunity to provide a, a, a relevant link that people can click on to get more information. Does that sound like it sounds, it sounds like a great summary. It's uh... all right. See, <laughs> I was paying attention, Vincent. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right. So let's talk about the third hack. Okay. Um, so, so something that was very successful for us actually was to speak to customers very, very early, actually before we even had a product. Um, that allowed us to to get a pool of potential buyers as we released the first uh, our first iteration. Um, and what we did was to ask for feedback. And firstly, we we needed to validate if we had a business case which was which was sustainable if we actually solved the problem. Um, but by asking for feedback, um, we created um, 
rapport with with a number of companies, and they've been they've been helping us grow, and sending us referrals. So maybe this is this is more of a more of a hack that um, that's for younger startups that that need to that that may not have um, customers yet. Um, but speak to potential customers very early. This this really really um, this this I think is where our success lies. Um, thanks thanks to them, we we now have paying customers that were referred, and um, we also we also managed to get a better product and market fit um, is, more, more quickly. Is is that is that a is, would you think of that as a hack or is that sort of uh, the same as the email outreach and 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 sort well, of you know, as, as, you know as, as I said you know this is this is you can call it a hack you can call it marketing um, it's it's a, it's a tip that really worked for us and um, okay how were you asking for this feedback was that happening through the email outreach sure so it was it was also done through an email outreach um, uh, campaign I guess okay um, and I can t- I can tell you I can tell you what we did we looked at potential customers by um, basically getting the contact details of as many businesses as possible and starting starting um, we started a, uh, a communication hi can I speak to can I speak to whoever is responsible with marketing of this or who, who is the founder of this company start you know use use what I said earlier about um, Following up and getting people to actually answer and creating a report um, with um, with these potential customers. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen lots of examples um, of that where getting that early feedback, um, even when you don't have a product, uh, becomes a really valuable thing to do. And in many cases, those people who provide the early feedback. Uh, often, you know, convert into customers, but they also feel uh, a lot more invested in the product because they they kind of had a voice um, in in sort of shaping what that product became, um, and it also provides obviously a lot of valuable feedback on um, on building the right the right product. Um, obviously, the caveat being. You have to be careful there because when people aren't invested, they don't have any skin in the game. They may also waste your time by giving you a lot of feedback that, you know, they think you want to hear, right? Sure, 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 sure. I mean, that's that's unfortunately that's part of the game. But but I guess I guess the the the, the key take here is if you if you if you don't have a product yet, or if you are in, you know. By by just speaking to a pool of potential customers, you will you will once you launch actually have someone to present what you've done and and see how people engage with your with your app or with your SaaS software or whatever it is that you sell, um, and that's that's extremely valuable. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, um, all right. So those are the three hacks that have worked for keeping. Um, and obviously that doesn't mean that those are the three that are going to work the best for everyone listening out there. 
I mean, the, the I think experiment is the operative word here, and 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 different hacks uh, or tactics or whatever you like to call them will have different uh, levels of success. Uh, I guess depending on what market you're in, um, how warm those um, customers are, how well they know that your product. Um, you know, there are all kinds of different factors. So, um, you know. Experiment, experiment, experiment. Now, it's great to talk about the things that have been working well for you, but I also wanted to find out about one one hack or tactic that that didn't work, that turned out to be either a surprising surprising failure or or just you know something that turned out to be a, a waste of time. What what's what's one one um, hack that comes to mind that you just feel like wow, you know. Sure. Okay. Well, we tried to we tried to automate promoting our content over Twitter. Um, so what we wanted to do was to automatically reply to conversations containing particular hashtag, for example, hashtag growth hacking, and responding with something generic like "great tweet on growth hacking." Check out this post or this resource about growth hacking. Um, so the hack here was that it was done automatically through. A little bot that we created, um, and <laughs> it didn't work technically. And most importantly, we actually pissed off a lot of people. On Twitter, you need to have conversations. You can't just um, automate everything. Um, so there's also, I suspect, a risk of getting your account shut down somehow. So the idea, the idea was a good one. I mean, it did it did uh, bring some traffic, which was supposed to be targeted at least to, to, to a certain extent um, but it were, it, it's definitely not good business practices it's, it's, it was perceived as spamming and we stopped uh, what what sort of um, what, what were some of the negative feedback or consequences that you had of automating that well just just uh, a lot of this stuff <laughs> people <laughs> We didn't run it for too long because, you know, my sense was that it was it wasn't worth it wasn't worth the game. I mean, I could see uh, uh, you were, it was essentially a way to to spam Twitter, and Twitter is not supposed to be to be to be to, to be a spam a spam trap. <laughs> we shouldn't spam Twitter, and and you know, people people realized that quite quickly, and it was just not a good good business practice. Yeah, you know, I, I I get that, and I think that um, there are. I think um, a, a while back I had Maria Dykstra, who is the um, founder of a marketing agency called Trade Digital, on the show, uh, episode eighty two conversionaid dot com slash eighty two, um, and we talked at length about how to use. Twitter as a way to acquire customers. And she gave some incredible tips on how to do that. But the key was um, using it for what it was meant to be, which is about being social, right? And, um, you know, I've just, I've been as guilty as, as, you know, other people out there where you kind of get into the habit of um, just posting stuff right 
maybe maybe it might be some content that you've found or um you know adding things into you know if you're using buffer or something like that to to build to build sort of a backlog or a queue of of things that you want to publish um and and i think i think maria was the one who told me she, she said that's kind of like that's not social media that's sort of like broadcast right you're just saying watch this, read this, listen to this, do this. And um, she sort of had a really kind of a good way to think about it, which was, I can't remember what it was, like 5, 15, 5 or something like that, where she said um, five, five days a week, spend 15 minutes a day and engage with five people. Mm-hmm. And engaging could be, um, you know, obviously, you know, sharing some content or retweeting, but also maybe replying to somebody's question or asking a question or thanking somebody for something. Um, and, and just using that as a way um, just to engage and listen. And she shared a lot of benefits that, that her business had experienced just by doing that. And, um, and so, you know, these days when you see a lot of people who are sort of, using auto replies i mean typically you get auto replies on follows um mm-hmm. you know which which kind of are like uh, really some of those are just so annoying um but i think you guys went even further by just like searching for a relevant hashtag right which could that's that's correct we went we, we went one we went one step one step forward and and you know the <laughs> the bot we created wasn't very intelligent so sometimes we're having conversations um in an infinity loop with with some some people, so it was going nowhere. <laughs> um, oh, wow. And I, but, but I, I like what you said about or what your what your guest said about using it um, regularly and engaging with it. I think I think this is this is powerful. And I'm, I'm as guilty as you are right now. We are broadcasting interesting articles um, because we need to be active, but it's not it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, let's move on to the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you uh, seven questions and just try to answer them as quickly as you can. All right. All right. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Failing is okay. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Okay. Actually, you mentioned uh, the, the author five minutes ago, Steady FT. He wrote the startup guide to outbound selling. Great, um, great book on outbound sales. Really, awesome. right to the point. Awesome. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Resilience. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Wake up very early. Uh, what's a new business idea uh, or a crazy idea that you have in your head that you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Convert all Swiss banks to Bitcoins. <laughs> uh, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? I only work standing up. Seriously? Yep. You know, I, I read something yesterday which said that um, standing up for two hours a day instead of sitting down has all kinds of health benefits. Oh, I'm up. I'm so up, you must be a super healthy guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? Uh, it sounds very good nature. I need, I need to go back to nature very often. You know, that's really funny. I, I, I've, 
this is the kind of thing that um, uh, I've heard from a number of entrepreneurs lately where once we sort of get below the surface and sort of talk about, um, you know, business and raising money or acquiring customers and we sort of get into what they do, there are more and more people sort of coming out in, out of the closet and talking about uh, meditating or uh, getting out into nature. And I read a great study, I think it was from Stanford, where they talked about the benefits um, on the brain and your health by just getting out there and being with nature. Um, mm. So it's so it's not like some new age stuff. It's like there's a lot of science behind actually going out and doing that, and and how it's actually a really powerful way to to kind of um, I guess recharge your brain. Um, so so I, I, I it's something definitely that I've started to do. I mean, I just I was like a super urban person, like never you know wanted to do anything with nature, and now like I can't go a day without. Um, just, I have to sort of do the same thing as you. I think I find it almost as a way to kind of like it, it sort of, it recharges me in, in many ways. So, um, yeah, there you go. We have something in, in common that maybe people didn't know about. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so, uh, thank you for sharing, um, those, those, uh, hacks and, and experiences with us. So, uh, if people want to find out more, they can go to, uh, keeping.com. Uh, where obviously they can find out about um, keeping uh, the help desk product. And um, in the footer on the site, there's a link to the growth hacking experiment as well. And uh, I'll include direct links to both of those in the show notes. Um, and if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Email is best, vincent at keeping.com. Wonderful. Vincent, I uh, I appreciate you making the time to do this. Um, it must be what what is it now? It must be like eight thirty. It's eight thirty Swiss time. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure your wife has uh, uh, is probably waiting for you. Um, so she she yes she should be waiting for me, and I hope she prepared dinner. <laughs> I'm normally I'm normally the cook, so hopefully hopefully she she cooks this evening. <laughs> great well look i appreciate the time uh, you taking the time to do this and uh you know into your evening um and uh i i wish you all the best and uh uh you know good luck with um uh keeping and uh i i will uh continue to follow the growth hacking experiment and uh you know learning from both your successes and your failures well, thank you very much Anna. it's been a pleasure thank you very much for, for your show as well cheers